I speak to you in the name of the one true living God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. We are at the point in Mark's Gospel, and I want to point out that point is the very first chapter still. We're only 21 verses in, but it is here where we are invited to see something very unique and special, and that is this, further confirmation of Jesus' divine identity by way of his authority. And that is authority that he both possessed and exercised. Authority that he possesses and exercises, rather. Now the context of this passage from Mark's Gospel that we've just just heard is important. We know that Mark is brief speaks with brevity, he gets his gospel ball rolling quickly, and then he moves swiftly throughout. That to say, already in this first chapter alone, in fact, in just the previous 12 verses leading up to this passage, we've already learned that Jesus brought himself to John the Baptist to the Jordan River in order to be baptized, and that there on that day the Spirit descended upon him like a dove coming down from heaven. And in addition, a voice spoke audibly, You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. (laughs) And immediately following this episode comes the same spirit who driving Jesus out into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights to do battle with the devil. And it was there where he successfully resisted a triad of temptations. And I think it's worth noting also he is the only one ever to have resisted the devil's temptations successfully, fully, completely. So here at this point in the 21st verse with this passage, taking those matters into consideration that I've just outlined, if we are still inclined to doubt, or if we have not yet been compelled or urged enough to begin to ask the great question with earnestness and sincerity, who is this person? Who is this man? Who is this Jesus, truly? Who is he? Then Mark gives us more. Here he begins to pile on more evidence for us to receive and to weigh and to consider by drawing attention specifically to Jesus' authority, his authority in word and his authority in works. Moreover, 
His authority that comes forth in the form of speech, utterance, teaching, and action. Both are on display in this passage. Now, the setting for the display of this authority was a synagogue, as we read. And they, and that refers to the small band of Jesus' disciples with Jesus, we know that at this time there were at least four disciples, Peter, Andrew, and the brothers, James and John. These five together with Jesus, or four with Jesus, maybe more, went into Capernaum, the, f- the fishing village on the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee. And immediately on the Sabbath, he, Jesus, entered the synagogue and was teaching. We've not been told anything extraordinary yet. In fact, all of this is in keeping with custom and practice of most Jews of the day at this time. The synagogue was the place where you would find Jews showing up on the Sabbath primarily to hear the scriptures taught. In fact, that's essentially all they did. It was at the temple where all of the ritual sacrifice and worship happened, but if you lived at a distance to the temple and only made your way there once per year, then you found yourself in a synagogue somewhere else. In this case, in Galilee, in Capernaum. Jesus is in a synagogue teaching. And what we learn next is that those in Jesus' presence who heard his teaching were, quote, astonished at his teaching. As it reads, And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority. Now, I want to say more about this, but first, let me offer a thought. We really shouldn't be surprised at this point in the story that Jesus' teaching is leaving people astonished. Because from our vantage point, we look back on the course of Jesus' life, from birth to death and resurrection, through the lens of all four Gospels, And we know from our reading of the Gospels that there was an occasion when Jesus was a boy, 12 to be exact, and he was found sitting in the temple by Mary and Joseph. And what was he doing? He was listening to the scribes and the scholars and the teachers of the day teach. He was listening to them. He was asking them questions. And what we learn is that he was already astonishing people with his understanding of the scriptures and his understanding of all things pertaining to the divine, to God. So if he was already doing that at age 12, here we are some 18 to 20 years later, And we can safely assume that he has only grown since that time, developed, blossomed, 
And in fact, as I outlined, he is now working under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Of course he's going to be astonishing people with his teaching. But here's the question that I would like to pry into. What was it that was so astonishing about Jesus' teaching? And I think it would be helpful to stress the emphasis of this word astonish. In the Greek, it carries the sense of leaving people speechless, dumbfounded, awestruck, and full of wonder. In fact, I would be accurate to say that the teachings of Jesus, his words alone, left people in the same state of astonishment and amazement as did his miracles. We all know that when Jesus performed great miracles before people, there was nothing but to be astonished. Of course people were astonished at that. So it was with his teachings. And I think that's a point to just pause with and let it sink in, because how often do his teachings just go past us? And we say, yeah, yeah, I've heard that. I know that story, and we take it for granted. If you were in the presence of Jesus, face to face, as these people were, hearing his teachings, you would be astonished and speechless because it stood out with great contrast with the other forms of teaching that were going on in the day. You didn't have a whole Bible before you at your fingertips to read all of his teachings whenever you want. You listened to him, and he said things that captured people in such a way that was powerful. So for it, it is for us to continue to pry and to ask, well, what was it? that was so astonishing. How did he do this? What was he doing and saying? And to this end, I want to point out the text doesn't say exactly. At least it doesn't answer the question of the what, the content. We don't know what Jesus was teaching on this occasion. And there's probably a reason for that. Mark doesn't want us to focus on that part. Rather, he gives us a hint leading in a different direction. Mark does want us to focus here in verse 22 on this. They were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority. That's where we want to dwell and camp. Authority. His teaching was astonishing because it was uniquely imbued with a sense of authority. Now, what does that mean? Well, there's a lot of things we could offer and speculate about. Many have suggested that we ought to take this in contrast to the scribes because it says... He taught them not as the scribes. Well, how did the scribes teach? 
it's well known that they taught by quotations, always referring back to other authorities. That's actually not a bad thing to do, but when it proportionately becomes all you're offering, it can become dry, dull, and lifeless. The scribes were constantly saying, well, so-and-so says this, and so-and-so says that, and this other figure, great thinker, says that, and trying to collate all this information without really maybe digesting it for themselves and speaking with authority, but always just pointing elsewhere. The scribes were, and this is not bad again, standing on the shoulders of perhaps giants or trying to. But here, in contrast, Jesus comes off as though he is the giant. You ever notice that Jesus never quotes anybody? Now, I'm going to qualify that statement in a moment. But when we read and receive and hear Jesus' teachings, we do not hear him constantly referring to some authority, saying, well, so-and-so says that. He does, however, appeal to his Father in heaven. It's the only authority he appeals to, apart from himself. He comes off as though he has this special, unique relationship with God the Father in such a way that angers people. Who do you think you are to be able to speak for God with such authority? You're just a man was the accusation against Jesus. But Jesus said on another occasion, words of this nature, He, the Father, who sent me, is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from him. Is this not sounding like fulfillment from our first passage, from the book of Deuteronomy? I will raise up for them, God says, a prophet like you, Moses, from among their brethren, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. Jesus went on to say, I do nothing of my own authority, but I speak just as the Father taught me. So he appeals to the Heavenly Father, for his authority. That's unique. That stands out in contrast to the scribes. That's why people heard something different when Jesus spoke. They came away thinking he speaks as though he's the authority, as though he's the source of truth and wisdom. And in fact, that's the truth. What else can we say about the authority of Jesus here? Well, we might say that Jesus' authority is also astonishing because of the way in which he uses it. And what does that look like? Jesus wields his authority for the purpose of delivering people from darkness, deception, and despair. Again, this is in contrast to the scribes and the scholars and the teachers and the Pharisees of the day. 
we will, would do well to remember on another occasion, Jesus spoke seven woes, seven woes against all of the religious teachers of the day, saying things along the lines of this from Matthew's Gospel. They, all those scribes you all look up to, preach, but they don't practice what they preach. They tie up heavy burdens for people and they lay them on their shoulders, expecting them to carry them. In other words, they concoct and form all these new rules and regulations for people to follow and bear the burden of. But they themselves don't walk under it. They find various ways out of them. They do all these things and all their deeds they do to be seen by others. I think the point here is it's safe to say that they, those scribes, loved to be loved, but they did not love. The teachers of the day did not truly love their people as Jesus did. The whole purpose of Jesus exercising his authority in the presence of people is for their good. He's not trying to puff himself up and saying, look how much I know. Look how much I've been schooled. He's saying, let me help you. Let me deliver you. Let me drive the darkness out. And we see this manifested here in the remaining details of this passage where Jesus is encountered by a man possessed with a demon. Now, we really don't have time to delve into all of the points and the details pertaining to demon possession, we might save that for another time and entitle it, A Demon Comes to Church. You remember where this took place in a synagogue. The demon sure knows who Jesus is. I know who you are, this, in a, this mind says to Jesus. You're the Holy One of God. Have you come to destroy us? And Jesus exercises his authority for purposes of healing and liberating this man. And he does the same thing with all of his teaching. All of it is for the purpose of driving out darkness, driving out deception, driving out despair, ultimately driving out demons. And that's exactly what he does. Because we know that all authority, as in our collect, in heaven and earth, has been given to him. He possesses it. And he exercises it to that end. To conclude, I think it would be helpful to us for us to return to a point that was made last week from Father Hansen's sermon about time. There is a wonderful insight that when Jesus began to preach, he said, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And the point here for us to take away from that is that the sense of time does not refer to chronology, as though this time was 2,000 years ago, and it came and went, and we don't have the ability to participate now. 
But that time here is in the sense of opportunity now. From that time forwards, at all times, that the time is now. That we live in a season of opportunity to repent and to believe in the gospel. And if we carry that same truth over about time and import it into this passage, it applies to Jesus' authority. The time to recognize the authority of Jesus in hearing his words, in receiving his teaching, in letting the light of his teaching illumine our lives is now. We're on the receiving end of it just as they were then. So are we. If only we will open ourselves and allow him in. Amen.